Got it. So, so the Beowulf movie, I, I never, I, I only saw like bits and pieces of it, but um, it, it seemed, it seemed like they were really in the um, deepest, darkest shadow of the uncanny valley with that one. Yeah. Um, it was like Ray Winstone before, I mean, playing a much younger computer-generated hero. And then uh, Angelina Jolie played the, uh, uh, was, was she Grendel or was she Grendel's mother? Grendel's mother. And I don't think she was wearing pants because I, I seem to remember that, that a, a CGI buttock. Yeah, that movie took place some time ago and perhaps pants weren't invented yet. Um, uh, the, uh, or, or perhaps it wasn't yet in vogue for the demon queen mothers of Grendel the dragon um, to wear pants. I mean, I think that that started with Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> yeah, they just didn't, they didn't make it to the caves yet. <laughs> <laughs> the Spiegel, the, the Spiegel uh, catalog hadn't, hadn't made it to cave circulation. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm sorry, Brian. I, I assumed you were talking about Der Spiegel, the uh, German news uh, weekly. No, no. Also, Develt. Um, speaking of Spiegel, um, I, I got bit by a bee. I got stung by a bee one time and I got developed like you would not even believe. <laughs> it's felt up. Very swollen. Yes. Like, yeah. It's very swollen. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I don't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, um, did you see Gravity? Did you ever see end up seeing Gravity? No, but I, no. Yeah. The funniest joke ever. Right, yeah. Were you going to say something actually about the movie? I was, but they, they use that really like kind of slow piano music um, called what, Spiegel, I'm Spiegel. Um, as the trailer, Spiegel, Abba Spiegel, what? Yeah, Spiegel, I'm Spiegel. That uh, I've not. Is that is that like the piece of music, mm-hmm. or is it a type of music? Like, you like rock and roll? No, but I do like Spiegel, I'm Spiegel. No, that's the title of it. Oh, okay, I w- okay. I, I, w- I, I didn't know. I, I swear I didn't know. No, but it's it's kind it's it's kind of a cool. Um, really kind of uh, soothing piano music, and I thought that it fit great with the trailer when you know somebody floating around in space. So, I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. Uh, something about being that far off planet Earth freaks me out a little bit. Like, do you remember a few years ago when Red Bull? had that video of the guy like jump out of something like at the, it's what's it called? Like the, the actual strata. The stratosphere. So like they're at the upper limits of the stratosphere. Yeah. And he like jumps out. So he's falling like what? 12 miles. Something like that. I think it's, I think I it's think, more than that. Well, no. I think that the stratosphere is 12 miles. Wait, hang on. An airplane can fly at like 40,000 feet. There's 5,000 feet in a mile so that would be nine eight, miles eight and a half nine miles 
Yeah, but airplanes can also go higher than that. So maybe the stratosphere is more than 12. Well, <clears throat> let's assume that this podcast isn't, isn't, doesn't hang its hat on uh, science and math. It's not really a STEM podcast. 23. He flew approximately 39 kilometers or 24 miles into the stratosphere over the New Mexican desert in a helium balloon before free falling and then parachuting back to Earth. Right. Yeah, that really unnerves me. I think I'd rather sit through The Shining again than, than uh, sit through that Red Bull falling from the top of the stratosphere video. <laughs> the thing is, is like when he jumped, like I watched it live. Like you watch? Oh, you watched it live? I did. I, I it was it was incredible to me. Um, that somebody a would do something like that and be that that somebody could do something like that and uh it was funny because he like once they get up to like the height you're like okay that's high enough and then he like opens up the door and then i don't know what i was expecting but he just kind of like was like <laughs> like he just he just kind of stepped stepped off the platform and um they had they had like his view but then they had like a, an, another camera view that was watching him <laughs> and this poor guy he's just like tumbling through the air all the way down like um like i don't know if could I, like, he not control I, his fall no that high uh-uh. because there's is, is it because there's so little oxygen there's nothing to push against yeah Okay, are you just making this up, or did you actually... I watched it live. Well, did, was there a commentator who was explaining why the guy was going derriere over tea kettle <laughs> instead of just falling like Tom Cruise in, in every Mission Impossible movie? So they, um, they had... Uh, did you ever see Dodgeball? Did you ever see the movie Dodgeball? Uh, uh, of course, I've seen Dodgeball. My favorite part is where Jason Bateman, a commentator for the Cinco. Yeah, the Ocho. Yeah. So since it was Red Bull, they had kind of a guy like that who was uh, the color commentator. <laughs> who like just blazed an ounce of Oregon's finest before he called this groundbreaking event. <laughs> um, okay, so so they like open like whatever they open the the hatch on that balloon, and I mean you're seeing like the entirety of the curvature of the Earth, and. Um, uh yeah i I, fa I found it very unnerving so i i watched part of it once but uh i mean i guess you just fall and then when you get to a certain level then it's just like jumping out of an airplane never mind that you reached maximum velocity several minutes ago <laughs> right um yeah you uh after 42 seconds he reached 834 miles an hour. <laughs> um, and the uncontrolled spin started within the first minute of the jump. Oh, so he could have gotten like really sick. Okay, uh, so 800. Uh, okay, what? Yeah, yeah, this is interesting. The uncontrolled spin started within the first minute of the jump. But then it ended at a minute 23 when he regained stability. In a press conference, he likened the fall to swimming without feeling the water. He could not feel the air to give him a sense of direction. So like what you were saying, there's no atmosphere for him to stabilize himself against. Did he have an oxygen mask on for the first part? 
Oh, I'm sure he did. Or did he just hold his breath? <laughs> Not only a free fall, but it was also uh, like that thing where you, you, when you're a kid and you drive through a tunnel, you see if you can hold your breath. <laughs> I didn't know if he had a snorkel. Uh, well, anyway, um, for those who have forgotten it, on the Golden Globes, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey were so hilarious together, such funny writers and, and performers. Um, Tina Fey loves to poke fun at George Clooney and uh, referenced Gravity with Sandra Bullock. Um, and he had almost, I, I'm not even sure if Clooney's credited on the, on the poster or anything, but he, I don't think he's in it very long. And um, Tina, Tina Fey says, uh, uh, gravity which shows the legs to which George Clooney will go to not be tethered to a woman his own age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, Sandy Bullock, you know, she's, you know, she was in that movie with uh, Channing Tatum, and um, you know, she's like 15 years older than he is, so she's getting some of that, you know, boy toy attention in the, in the in the movies. Yeah, she was she was in that that movie. Yeah, she was in that movie with Ryan Reynolds. She played his boss. Ryan Reynolds is in kind of in everything, isn't he? I mean, is that is he an insecure guy? Why is he in so many movies that he wouldn't necessarily have to be? Does he just love to work? Probably, yeah, probably loves to work, and he probably understands that his he's he's an. I don't think that he's an exceptional actor, and maybe he realizes that his shtick will probably wear off eventually, and so you just get it while you can. Maybe. I mean, it's not like he's, I mean, there's no reason to think he's going to age poorly. I mean. I guess, I suppose he's shown some self-discipline with his workout routines and his diet, I suppose. Okay. All right. Let's hunker down. Okay. Okay. Howdy. Welcome to this episode of the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Winger. With me, as always, is the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. We're sorry that uh, English Paul couldn't be with us. Paul Southern, a.k.a. Bernie Fingers, can't be with us today. He had a work commitment. He's one of these type guys who you know, has a real job and whatnot. Anyway, we're happy to be with you. Hold on. Now, now that you've said that Paul isn't with us, like half of the audience just clicked off. <laughs> There's a chance that he might tune in later. Yeah, so stay tuned. He did, he, I mean, it is the truth that he did say that he, he will see if he can join. So please stay tuned and you might get to hear the golden voice of... Burning fingers. Oh, this is a good uh, this is a good opportunity to tell you to turn to mrswinger.com. Yeah, you get the oh. bowl cozy. Paul, thanks for joining. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure, Brian. Thank you. I was Uncle Ringo. Master, you get your bowl cozy and you, you avoid your burning fingers. You just put your soup or your queso, whatever you have, whatever it is you, you got that's from the refrigerator that you want to warm right up and you put it in the, you put it in the bowl and then you put it in your bowl cozy and you put it in your pippity poppity poo. And then the next thing you know, you're coming out and you're, and you're ready to enjoy a delicious, tasty, tasty hot meal without your burning fingers. Okay, just for the record, you kind of went, uh, you started Ringo a little bit of Paul uh, McCartney. And then you kind of went into like a Hemsworth for a little while, but then you 
Uh, then you kind of pulled it back together with a, uh, oh man. Um, never mind. I got, I got sidetracked when it said Hemsworth. Well, um, you know, probably what got you thinking Hemsworth, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm not wearing glasses. Oh, that's it. So I, you know, I'm just, I'm just concerned that without my glasses, you'll be able to see my, uh, my acid peel uh, to, to get rid of my laugh lines here around my eyes. <laughs> is that a quarterly thing that you do, or is that a bi-monthly? Well, uh, times are tight, so I'm only doing it every six months now. Okay, there you go. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so funny thing. All right. So in high school, I wore high, uh, I wore contact lenses, but, and I haven't worn them since. So roughly I haven't worn contacts in 38, 39 years. Okay. Because, and I may have mentioned this once or twice, but certainly by the time I was a senior and really as a junior, I was drinking a lot of beer and other stuff. And so I'd like, you know, fall asleep at places in, in like unorthodox places uh, with my contacts in. And it was like waking up with uh, Coke bottle caps in my eyes. So, um, you know, there were there were some times that it was you know it was a little a little rough, but um, uh, I I started wearing glasses and um, you know I had I I don't know I've mostly chosen pretty cool glasses, unless I've been intimidated by some jerk at the optometrist uh, store, and um, you know so anyway. I mean, glasses have kind of been part of my identity. Well, anyway, um, as I've mentioned, I had my eye operated on. So it's been getting better and better, particularly, well, at distance. Whereas the other one is still kind of bad. So I got to wear glasses. Well, so I have a contact for one eye and then I have like the bionic eye. And, but here's what. So this morning, it's like 4.30 in the morning, I'm trying to put on my first contact lens in 38 years. And uh, it took a while. It took, uh, yeah, it took, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes, 20 attempts. Um, finally, But I finally got it. Thing is, I really don't know how to take it out. So I may have to use a shop back. I think that's how they do it. That's, 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 if you read the label, that's the recommended method. Well, I would read the label, Brian, except I can't really read because, see. Yeah. because, because these are for distance and I don't have any readers. And if I put on my, my glasses with, you know, the, well, they're not bifocals. What are they? They're transition lenses um can't can't really read so so i've got uh, i've got my magnifying glass so i'm like an old man at the chilies trying to trying to read uh, that comes with queso i see so also uh if it, if in the course of this podcast we need to look for clues i've got a magnifying glass so I'm, I'm on it. Uh, any, any thought to putting a big, big face on, uh, on the magnifying glass? Uh, like little cover that you have there? <laughs> I guess I could. Good night. The thing is, I think this is a, a nice faux leather. It, it's actually could be leather. Uh, I think this magnifying glass uh, belonged to my stepdad. So it, I just dropped it. I just dropped it, which which means 
I can't. I'm like, do you ever do you ever hear about the uh, Twilight Zone where like Burgess Meredith plays this like terrible misanthropic guy and he hates everyone and he just wants to be left alone with his books and somehow he gets his wish and like the whole world's destroyed in the nuclear war so it's just him and his bookstore and he just gets to read all books and then he like drops his glasses and breaks them and now he can't read his books. So he's like the last man on earth. He gets his he gets his wish, and he can't read his books. That sounds yeah, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. So it's not quite that bad for me, but the magnifying glass is on the ground. So I hope we don't need to look for clues right away. The uh, the story about magnifying glass uh, or your contact lenses um, reminded me about a story from a few years ago where there was a woman who like was going to go in for like routine cataract surgery. And then she had something like 27 contact lenses in her eye that she had just kept putting them in. <laughs> well, there's your problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised she wasn't bumping into like doors uh, with that many, that many contact lenses on her eyeball. Yeah, she's a no sort of gal. She's a sort of gal. Her contact lenses are already in the room five minutes before the rest of her gets there. <laughs> I've never heard that said about contact lenses. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would probably like getting contact lenses. Um because I don't have prescription sunglasses and it's kind of a pain, like, you know, when you're outside changing, changing do you, eyewear. Do you switch? You don't, you don't have those transition ones, do you? No. <clears throat> um, I'm, sh I'm sure that this isn't the case for all people, but I found people that have the transition sunglasses uh, to be a little bit sketchy in my experience. I think Stanley Tucci may have worn those in the lovely boats. <laughs> Pro probably. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know. I, I mean, some guys, some, some people are fine with them. I think, I, you know what I've noticed? Uh, I've noticed as, as guys get older, like, so like, set in their 70s they just don't care they just don't want to mess with it anymore they just lean into it uh i've known some younger guys who have had them and it's been okay but not great um i don't like to do it but i don't like to have sunglasses and regular glasses so who knows what's next for me now that none of my glasses work anymore um what i uh, what you know? What I had done was get some uh, uh, sunglasses, like like had some of like forty percent amber and then like twenty percent blue, and so like I'd wear those to like art galleries and stuff, you know. So it's like a little bit, little bit of sun protection, a little bit cool, but you know, mostly I can still drive. Yeah, that's all over now, though. I, I see it anytime I see somebody walking in from outside with transition glasses and, and just to watch those lenses change. I'm like, look at this guy. He thinks he's mystique or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good ref, good nerd reference, Brian. Well done. Um, yeah, 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 well, and the thing is, you come in and it's super bright out, and then you like, you know, you walk in in a hurry, and like guys are like banging into the doorway, you know, because it's like it's really dark, so, um, then really trans transition is well, it's yeah, it's it's not really stark level technology, is it? No. Not exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Uh, as far as Big Big Face, well, you know, Big Big Face has got uh, uh, glasses. So, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I want to stay with glasses just so I can be true to Big Big Face. But um, my, so my she, old buddy. So you can get recognized when you're out on the street. Hey, wait a second. You're that guy that's on all those cool posters and t-shirts. Did you inspire Big Big Face? Maybe. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I'd say, look at this nose and you tell me. <laughs> so um, my buddy Brooke has got those in a um, an art gallery in Oakwood right now. So I've got I've got uh, Big Big Face in a big big time art gallery in Oakland, California. Pretty sight. It's really that is really cool. I'm, I know. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Um, I've got I've got a framed one here on my wall. Uh, so I went to an estate sale over the weekend. I was gonna. So here's the thing. I wanted to get one of the uh, art prints of Big Big Face. Um, framed and matted so I was going to go to Michael's but then you know I got to like work with Mrs. Winger about it because if you just go to Michael's you know you hear about well did you use a coupon because all you got to do to get a coupon is get on the mailing list it's like yeah you get on their mailing list and you're like hearing from them you know every 20 minutes you know about day glow pens and fabric and weird stuff remember gary goldman's joke that michael's is fancy joanne's yeah <laughs> anyway anyway there was an estate sale in my neighborhood and this lady had like a ton of like framed art and so i go back and uh uh picked a bunch of it up on the last day i got like I don't know, seven or eight frames for on average like 10 bucks a piece you know and ah. that's with like the frames and stuff i know it's great right so so i was working on that a little bit uh and then my friends the sanchez's asked me to paint something for their kitchen and she and i talked about what she wanted and i had in mind a very plain and peaceful like underwater scene but then the more I started painting it, like the more I wasn't, I wasn't really really getting the transition and I wasn't getting the colors that I wanted. So I started doing like, um, like it's, it, it's an abstract, but it's looking at the end of a swimming pool. So like you can see the bottom of the pool and a, a side of the pool to the left and ahead of you. And then like, you see like, the different color up top mm -hmm. and um they kind of want more colors in it so i think what i'm going to do is have like a bathing suit loose in the pool this is what i'm thinking you don't think that's too body do you no go for it they've, um, got, a teenage, they've got a teenage boy at home well, I'm sure that's going to be the thing that puts it in his head. Yeah, <laughs> right. An abstract. Yeah, he, an abstract. He never thought of girls before until he saw that bikini in the pool. That starts. Nice job, Jeff. <laughs> that's my line. That's good that you're. That's good that you're doing some painting. Is is that the one that you had shown? Uh, a work in progress that you had shown on Instagram. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Take a look. There. Uh, and it's that funny. would be at winger underscore abstracts. That's it. On Instagram. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to uh, what's, uh, is it managing at managing underscore expectations underscore pod for uh, 
Bernie Fingers' contribution. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I'm I'm Winger underscore Abstracts, and then uh, we also have uh, Managing underscore Expectations underscore Pod. Um, uh, what else? Um, anyway, if you wanted to check out, uh, but by the way, I, I did, I, uh, buckled down and, you know, some of my extra money, I, uh, I picked up wingerabstracts.com. So I'm going to be working on that and putting some paintings on that. Meanwhile, we have, uh, which is where you can find our awesome gear. Um, uh, a woman, so, so pregnant woman at work uh, got a large, uh, big, big face t-shirt uh, to wear while she is happy with a child. And then she tells me um, that she'll wear it to sleep in after that and to which I think so that's probably going to be her plan for birth control thereafter that's, that's interesting <laughs> uh, so I meant to uh yeah, so I meant I, I meant to uh, write Ray uh, last week, and I, I didn't get it done. Um, he, he he's so old-fashioned, you know. I mean, he um, Ray at all in a dream comics and books in downtown Denver, you know. I mean, he I gave him a cell phone, and he like won't use it. I'm like, okay, well, dude, I mean, is it okay with you if I cancel it? Well, not yet, not yet. Okay, so. Um, Emergencies. Um, <laughs> yeah, it. that must be it. Because, I mean, he, he, like, he wants to, like, listen to the podcast. He wants to listen to the John D. McDonald one, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, as so many people do, because it remains one of our, our biggest ones. Yeah. And if you like that, I mean, check out some other ones. But Day on the Brain is great too. The Day on the Brain is an awfully good one. Yeah. Um, um, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe there'll even be one dropping this very day. Do you think? Could be. Yeah. This very didn't day. I hear, didn't, didn't I hear that yesterday too? Uh, you probably did, and we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll take this offline. It's not great. It's not great radio. I don't think <laughs> talking about the things that I said would get done and didn't. I don't, I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> Brian, I think this would be a good time to do your performance review. Oh, oh, is that why I'm here? <laughs> <laughs> Did did you have performance reviews at uh, at your old job? Yeah, at, at my old job, I had to write them, and they were they were just brutal. And I'll tell you, and, and I don't mind telling you why. It's because because I mean, any any company large enough to have an HR department is just is just scared witless of wrongful termination or any claim of, um, I don't know, untoward behavior. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, you, you had to document everything. You had to document to give somebody a raise. You had to document everything that you said. And, and, and so the whole job became documenting in preparation for reviews, and uh, it, it was horrible. It was just horrible. It was just horrible. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I yeah, you couldn't have a conversation. You, you couldn't have, I mean, if somebody was standing on a chair instead of using a stepladder, okay? So a, a, a chair is designed for the human buttock, for the human to sit. Uh, it's not balanced, uh, nor is it proportioned uh, for standing to reach the top shelf. And uh, so you'd have to say. But, but, I, but I might argue, I think that more people have experienced using a chair as a step stool than an actual step stool as a step stool. I know. And, and still the species goes on. Right. <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, a company of a certain size ha tries to keep their insurance claims in order. And, and you know, you don't want And furthermore, you don't want to see people get hurt that, you know, needlessly. Right. Of course not. Uh, preventable. No, of course not. I mean, I mean, it, it is true. And look, I, you know, OSHA seems to be in many ways um, an intrusive aspect of the regulatory state. I mean, because a lot of things, a lot of places aren't really dangerous environments, you know? I mean, I can see why the power company wants to be safe, you know, manufacturing, factory work certainly almost anything agricultural. But I mean, if you're in a business where the main thing is slips, trips, and falls, or improper lifting, you know, this idea of having a monthly meeting uh, with the entire staff saying, lift with your legs, not with your back, get a buddy, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's, kind of infantilizing um, the staff, um, you know, I mean, say it once and then practice it and, you know, don't cheat, don't, you know, everybody set a good example, somebody's cheating, call them out on it. But I mean, my God, they have to say, you know, on such and such a day, so-and-so was standing on a chair, I, or I told them to get uh, a step stool and then you know and if you know and then if it happens again it's documented and now you got like a case and you know it's just i mean this is just one of uh, this isn't the question you asked and I, i'm sorry but this is just one of the reasons why my previous job was spirit crushing is that funny to you is that funny it's funny. <laughs> no, of course it's not funny to have to, to, to have a job that is terrible, that, that has all kinds of ridiculous rules that takes any kind of personal responsibility out of the equation. Um, um, it's just it's just ridiculous. The whole thing's just ridiculous. So that's why it's funny. That's why I'm okay, laughing. But, uh, it's funny. So you you asked me if my if my old job we had performance reviews, and I uh, the reason why I asked is because we at my old job we had performance reviews, and my boss who was like the most understanding reasonable person you could ever want to work for, um, when it came to performance review time he just gave everybody sevens and just <laughs> move you just checked it off the box that as uh, the manager, he did what he was supposed to do. Everybody got a seven for all categories. Yeah. And one, then in one to 10. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, and he I didn't said, have a boss who say, huh, you got a lot of sevens here. Uh, no, every year, then HR would come down and almost like clockwork, come down to talk to him. Like, this is important. You need to fill this out accurately. You, you've got to do this. And he's just like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do, I'll try harder next year. <laughs> and. Uh, okay. Wow. I, w I wish you had told me that story you know, seven years ago. 
um, there were a hand, there were a handful of employees that that were very frustrated. Like, what am I supposed to be working on? Am I working towards the company's overall goal? Um, it, you know, are there things that that I can improve on so that way I can get paid more? And he would say, Yeah, it, the thing is, like, if I tell you all those things, then you'll get mad at me. But if I give you all tens, then you'll get a big head and think you can go find another job. I just want to keep you guys right where you're at. And he was saying this jokingly, but in a sense, he just didn't want anything to change. And so he could deal with HR for 30 minutes screaming at him once a year about doing his performance reviews right if everything else stayed the same. That's interesting. One of the things in my last job, and there was there was so little room for a raise. I mean, essentially, if you got the best possible raise, it was like a cost of living right oh, yeah it was it was terrible and it was um it, well and and i i don't know if they're changing anything but i mean it wouldn't even be that now because because inflation is is twice um you know what it was five years ago uh you know every year things got two to three percent more expensive and now uh, things are seven to eight, getting seven to eight times more expensive. But Unless we you're in Argentina, where it's seven to eight times more expensive every day. But I digress. So, um, uh, you know, you had to like, you, you, you know, you had to bring your A game so the good people got, you know, the maximum raise. But, you know, it, it, I, I just misunderstood the company. I, I thought that they wanted to keep good people. They don't. They just, they wanted to just, you know, it was, it was a bookstores, half price books. I mean, they, they, they didn't, they just wanted, you know, they, they wanted to hire like Taco Bell, just bring them in off the street, teach them to do, you know, certain basic duties. And if they've read the Harry Potter books, well, so much the better. Um, which is which is kind of where it was. So anyway, that's that's over with. I uh, um, I actually went into one for the first time in um, a couple of years, and uh, yeah, yeah, it, and I'll tell you why. Because this woman I I used to work with is is running a store now, and she's great. She's really smart. She's she's a little she's kind of a communist a little bit too much of a communist for me but um you know just taking one-on-one -on -one, she's adorable uh she's she's like really punk rock so um uh she's got a big big face t-shirt which i'm hoping that she will wear to uh company function that and that thought makes me so happy it makes me so very happy <laughs> because she really because she does a good job and she just doesn't care. And um, uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, I saw her, but you know, the, the stores are just shabby. There's nothing on the shelves. Um, people, you know, they, they had, uh, well, and I don't want to like do a whole half price books thing right now, but uh um you know they they had this pretty smart thing i mean in buying from the public so people would bring their used books and make them a cash offer and so so here's what your inventory is being delivered to you by the customers uh who then turn around and as often as not are spending their money in the store mm -hmm. um you know so so it was a good deal but now they're they're not they, they do not appear to be paying people what the books are worth and they think that they're doing it all with statistics you know so uh, once again as much as i like moneyball as much as i like the billy bean bill james you know theory um don't tell me not not to pay a premium for Jack Kerouac's on the road. There will be a young person who's never read Kerouac come in 
and you know you can show me data that says well we haven't sold a copy of on the road in two years and i'll say what are we doing selling books if we don't have on the road on the shelf mm -hmm. i mean what, what do we want to do do we just want to have james patterson's six books this year on the shelf do we just want to have you know every harry Potter, you know 17 copies of every harry potter book and you know angels and demons and the da vinci code the da vinci code so you know i mean it's 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 art and science i mean there's like an aesthetic sense and you know one of the questions that i used to ask i talked to a, a guy that uh, he used to be my assistant. He was, you know, he was a manager. Um, and one of the questions we used to ask people when we were interviewing him is, "What, what character in fiction do you, um, most, you know, most identify with?" It just insight into the person. But I mean, increasingly, it was always like every young woman was. Um, identifying with Hermione in the Harry Potter books. I don't even know what that means. I mean, yeah. I mean, is that her name? Hermione? That's her name. Yeah. You know, where's Paul when you need him, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, here he is now. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just, I was just warming up some queso. Yeah, her name was Hermione. I went to school with a girl named Hermione. Now I remember. It, it, it went it went from uh, Ringo to uh, Hemsworth for a little while, and then it kind of dipped into Dick Van Dyke from uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is my podcast, and you're so much funnier than I am. What the what? Ah, uh, man, I hate that Michael Buble. Don't even get me started. <laughs> um. Anyway, anyway, uh, you know, look, uh, a used bookstore is like this repository of the accumulation of man's knowledge. I, I, humanity's knowledge oh my god see there you go well there's part there's my problem right there and you don't work there anymore <laughs> right <laughs> and um uh you know i mean it's it can be kind of establishment but it can be kind of subversive right um you know but it just i mean i think bookstores themselves have gotten weird um certainly the people shopping at bookstores like you know there's somebody who is coming in uh i don't know in the last part of the obama presidency somebody some jerk would come into the uh poli sci section and like the american history section and like anything that was an obama book the guy would like slice the dust jacket down the spine and I wrote this scathing thing about how to whoever is cutting, to whoever is cutting the, the dust jackets on the Obama books, you are a coward and you, you are a, a disgrace to the First Amendment. You're not hurting Barack Obama or his cause. You're hurting people running a small business trying to, trying to sell books. You know, my boss, <laughs> gutless wonder, wouldn't let me put it up. <laughs> Is that funny? Is that it's funny, funny too? It's funny because like I'm just imagining like like this this book terrorist, you know, just sneaking into the store very slyly, right? And then like coming across your your letter and like putting the box cutter away and you know walking out and like it just changed his whole life like he's just his viewpoint is now different 
because we'll never we know. We'll never know. Yeah. Once again, the middle of the road, the, the, the forces of mediocrity. You know who I am right now? I'm Howard Rourke, Ayn Rand's hero in the fountainhead, having to, having to contend with the forces of conformity and mediocrity. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. No, job reviews, job reviews became a big thing because uh, HR kept playing a bigger and bigger role in everything. It, it, was, it was a really hard job to get fired at. Essentially, I mean, you could, I mean, you could be doing terrible things and many people were, but the easiest way to fire somebody was um, if they were late to work. So it became just this incredibly nickel and dime thing. And I, you know, I was trying to sell myself on trying to make myself feel good about what I was doing with my life. And I told myself that, you know, they didn't get Capone on murder and racketeering and gambling and prostitution and bootlegging. They got him on uh, tax evasion. And so sometimes nickel and dime stuff works, but I, 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 I didn't feel good about it then. I don't feel good about it now and I'm glad it's over. Yeah. So um, before, we, uh, uh, before we wind up, I was listening to Chris Levine's new, new podcast. I'm so glad that he's on an Apple podcast now. That is uh, a refresher pop therapy podcast and what? Pop, cult pop culture therapy podcast. Refresher pop culture therapy podcast. That's it. Okay, great. So he, uh, he uh, had an episode, his most recent episode was the reminiscence bump about why you remember things in middle, midlife so clearly when, you know, when there are other things that escape you, you know, like certain things from your childhood. He did research, prepared, He's such a showboat. Unbelievable. So anyway, he tells a story that was really funny about being like a little kid at recess and telling people he got bit by a gopher. And he didn't really realize why he was doing it. And so like, instead of just saying, oh, wow, you got bit by a gopher, the kids all like, started like got like an emergency response unit going so like they went and told the ladies who were on recess duty and like the ladies you know came over and they're like talking to him and, and, and Chris just doubles down on the lie about getting bit by a gopher and he's like now you know many years later I can say okay you know it's like okay well you know how's the chubby kid who's an introvert, you know, he's like, obviously I did it for attention. I did it for attention. I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I mean, looking back on it, it seems perfectly clear. And, and uh, anyway, I just, I, I thought his getting bit by a gopher story was pretty funny. And then it, re it actually made me think of this, <laughs> what it must've been like, fourth grade, fourth grade, maybe. So like, what would that have been? Kind of been like 10. Yeah. So there was some sort of, we we're coming up on, I don't know if it was like exactly an, an amateur show, like a, like a talent show, but like people were like going to be doing things in the classroom. And I went up and I told the, <laughs> I told the teacher I could tap dance. <laughs> and, and, and while in my childish brain I didn't think exactly how hard can it be 
I was, in fact, thinking I've seen guys do this on TV. I can and do it that. Just kind of, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure, I can do that. And she's like, "Okay, well, we'll think about that." I'm like, "No, I can really, <laughs> I can really tap dance." Now, you know, you've probably seen guys who can like really tap dance, and it's essentially they're like percussionists with their feet. Yeah, okay? it's, and, and like, it's it's it's. I'm not I'm not like a big dance fan. Like I, yeah, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, but you and me both. Yeah, but, this, but, you know, but, but when you see somebody perform like that, like clearly a master of, of their craft and they're, you know, it's impressive. It's impressive. Sure. And frankly, I'd rather see that than a ballet guy. For one thing, uh, I think tap dancers will mostly wear, will, <laughs> wear trousers and shoes. So I just... So I feel so much better about that. So anyway, I never got a chance to, I was, I was never, I was never, I, I never was given a chance to double down uh, on tap dancing the way Levine did uh, with his gopher bite. <laughs> uh, that's probably good. I might have surprised him, but I doubt it. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, but I doubt it. <laughs> one, one time when I was a kid, I was probably third or fourth grade. I, um, we were going to, it was a weekend and we were going to go some places with family. And I didn't really want to go. And so I just hid in my room behind this big desk. And uh, I just hid there. And my parents were like, Brian, let's go. Where's Brian? I think he's outside. So like I could hear I can hear them working through this process of trying to find Brian. And I'm like, eh, I'm gonna hang out for a while. And then you cross I crossed the line where it was like kind of funny. And I could have just like come out from behind there, like, oh, I didn't hear you. Um, but I just went with it for a while. And to hear the panic of my family, like, where is he? Where did he go? You know, his bike is here. His skateboard's here. He's not in the backyard. He's not, he's not out front. Where is he? Is, nobody's, you know, he's not here. Did, did you check the basement? He's not in the basement, you know? And so I hear the panic setting in and I'm like, oh no, I better just ride this out a little bit longer. <laughs> really? See, that's stupid. a 10-year-old brain right there. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably, they'll probably calm down. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Yeah. We'd... Okay, so now, so now you're a dad. Did your kids ever do anything genius like that? Nothing comes to mind right now. Um, but what happened is, is eventually I popped out from behind the desk, and I just, like, sat on the floor of my bedroom just playing with my toys. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? Where were you? We were calling. I'm like, I, I was here. I didn't hear you. <laughs> and my and my dad gave me a little like, he was gonna punch my, yeah, he's gonna punch my lights out. And um, <laughs> it was just it was just stupid. It's just stuff that stupid kids do, right? Yeah, I guess. You know, I mean. I mean, I wouldn't think that you, me, and Levine were like especially difficult children, but um, I mean, the way some people are. Every dog has his day, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, so that looked like a Cheeto. Do you have, did you just scratch your head with a Cheeto? Oh, it's a carrot. Is it really no, a carrot? No, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's like a, a plastic lever that um, somehow ended up on my desk. And so I, I fiddle with it sometimes. So, all right. Well, uh, um, did I talk about getting the book uh, Shibumi by Tremanian? No. 
well maybe next time yeah for sure for sure next time also um uh steven Pressfield, uh a guy at work uh oh listener al who by the way has got now has got like a keeper sutherland story okay so so two things going on either al has got like the best imagination of anybody uh and he uh just like as soon as we like mention somebody in the podcast he like comes up with a story or what i really think is that you know he grew up in la and so he met all these people before they were huge um you know it was al who met jimmy your, your guy jimmy smith's on the southwest flight to vegas how could i forget ed, ed almos and then he met Kiefer sutherland at a uh uh, hot dog place in LA called Pinks or Pinkies. Pinky in the Brain. I don't know what it's called. Wow. wow. Does he have any Eric Stoltz stories? <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever see Mask? I did. Uh, did you know the Peter Bogdanovich who, who uh, recorded it? Uh, or who, who who directed it wanted to use Springsteen uh, music, but Springsteen was so huge at the time he wouldn't give Bogdanovich uh, the rights, and so Bogdanovich had to reluctantly go with Bob Seger, which was which you know like whatever the same roots rock you know. Uh, tree but you know branch you know uh, you know branches of the same tree put it that way but uh yeah it wasn't as good and it was just funny because until springsteen had a post like in the 90s i mean springsteen wasn't that big and he actually gave like a, a they let he let the uh cbs uh sunday night procedural cold case that do like a whole Springsteen episode so oh, like there's like yeah 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 so you want to talk about how the mighty have fallen you think me quoting dumb and dumber is how the mighty have fallen Springsteen could have let Bogdanovich use his um you know uh music in a kind of a prestige picture Sam Elliott boy that guy, what hair, huh? What a mustache. I was going to say, of course, I've seen Matt. What a look at denim. Yeah. I was going to say, that. of course, I've seen MASH. Cher is in it. But you like Cher? I don't. I was, I was, I was, I was a kid then. Did someone in your family when you were growing up like Cher? Yes. Well, not your dad. Nope. <laughs> See, my dad always had a thing for share, and that probably was going to be our first indication that he was he was in a closet that he was coming out of at some point. At some point. Um. Okay, so I mentioned. Uh, all right. So okay. So next time, I want to talk about. Uh, Shibumi by Trevanian, and I also have a Chris Galley story that about uh, what what was the name of the fancy um, sub sandwich place that went into Denver? Is like everybody ate at Subway, and everybody thought that was like, and then Quiznos. was it Quiznos? Do you remember Ken Ken Hamblin? He was um, uh, a talk radio personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black, and he, and he kind of became conservative. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that his name, Ken Hamblin? Mm-hmm. Um, he owned, I mean, he would talk about uh, owning a couple of Quiznos. So anyway, we ate there. All right, so I, I, now I'm telling the story. So I go with Chris Galley 
and uh you know we we you know we get go through and they make our our sandwiches and they are of superior quality to uh subway circa whatever in 1884 and um uh the guy asks galley says uh do you, do you want italian dressing on this and galley goes first of all no second of all it's not italian third of all i don't know what it is fourth of all it doesn't belong on my sandwich take it easy we're at a quiz note <laughs> fifth of all the the russians never got passport fixed on my on my, on my band night when I was in the Battle of the Bands. I don't know why you're calling him sir. He wasn't even in the military. <laughs> All right. We thank you for your time for this episode of the Managing Expectations podcast. Uh, we uh, hope you will check out the show notes and check out our faithful supporters okay sorry check out our sponsors our uh the 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 people who lend us support and sucker in these uh days of woe and uh until next time i'm jeff winger for brian grimm uh you know uh manage your expectations accordingly Nobody gets out of this alive.